Hey, it's Larry. Uh, Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Real quick, before we get into this episode, I had such an amazing, eye-opening, life-changing experience at the World Parkinson Congress in Kyoto that I want others to have that opportunity, too. So Becca Miller and I and 24 of our PD community friends have launched a year-long WPC Travel Grant Fundraiser. We're each doing a two-week Facebook fundraiser. Mine's underway right now because my birthday's January 9th. All the money raised will be used to help offset travel costs so more people with young-onset Parkinson's can attend the next WPC in Barcelona in 2022. You can search out details on the When Life Gives You Parkinson's Facebook page or donate directly to the WPC website. Go to wpc2022.org slash yopdfund. If you or your business would like to supply matching funds... Hey, good on you. Email me at parkinsonspot at curiouscast.ca. And now, on with the show. It's time for another extra dosage episode of When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Hi, I'm Nikki Reitmeyer. Extra dosage episodes are the in-between bits, special bonus content to get you through until the next episode. Parkinson's friends, you may be a little bit surprised to hear me and not Larry. After all, this was supposed to be the episode on Parkinson's and comedy. Larry needed to take a week off, though, and he asked me to read you this note. Hey, gang, I've been having a rash of wicked nosebleeds, and so until I get that under control, I've stopped working and have pretty much canceled all activities, including the pod. I'm going to be okay, but I need to find some balance. That may ultimately impact the production schedule of the pod, but if anything, it will be a reduced schedule, not a cancellation or pod fade, as they say in the biz. I'll talk to you soon. Larry. This week, Larry wanted me to introduce you to one of the people that's featured on the Comedy and Parkinson's episode. Her name is Kitty Finton. Kitty is originally from the north of England, but she's been living in New Zealand for eight years. She's been diagnosed with Parkinson's for just over three and a half years now. She's married to Craig, and they have four children together. Talk to me about what it was like to sit down with your kids. Oh, I'm I'm a very, very open person. Um, I I believe, as a parent, that there are no secrets, you know, uh, between kids and, and parents and between parents and kids, you know, within reason. But, you know... Um, because you're a family, and if you want your kids to trust you, to trust if you if you want them to trust you, then you have to trust them. And <clears throat> they'd been looked after by my friend that day, and we got back, and they knew something was badly wrong. Um, and I, I don't remember much about at my friend's house, and I picked them up. I remember coming home and just going off and crying. Um, they couldn't say anything at first. Um, sorry, I'm getting all emotional. That's okay. <laughs> um, I couldn't face them. And then I think it was the second day I came in and I sat down and I said, you know, mum's got this thing and she doesn't, I said, I don't really understand it yet myself, uh, but we're going to work through it and I'm, I'll, I'll be okay or I won't be okay and we'll just work it out. And thankfully, I think it was my kids that forced me to go see Parkinson's New Zealand. Um, And all of us were quite in a bit. I can't really remember much about those first few days because I was just in such a state. Um, And Vanessa spent two hours on the phone with me 
I think I think I was diagnosed on the Monday, and I think it was the f- Thursday. I went to go find them, and she rang me because the hospital never rang me to check I was all right. No. <laughs> crucially, she spent two hours on the phone with me on the Thursday, and that that really brought me out of my shell. And then on the Friday, she came over and spent four hours. And when the kids came home from school, she sat with the kids as well, and we all sat and talked. Uh, and she left me this really good book, which is uh, advice for the newly diagnosed. It's got no pictures in it, which is brilliant. Um, I think it's one of the best features of it. And it's really dry. It's all facts, which is great. Uh, it's just what you need. Yeah. Um, and I read it, and it made sense to me, and I understood what, what was wrong with me. And bless him, my son was, how old was Alfred? Alfred will have been about nine at the time. And um, I sat down with the children. To be fair, Stanley and Willow were only six, and they didn't give a monkey. So no, sure, <laughs> they yeah, didn't that's... care. They're twins. But I said, mummy's not, you know, mummy's got this thing. It means I have to take medicine a lot. Um, and... But it will help me and, you know, we'll work through it. Alfred was very upset about it. And unbeknown to me, he took the booklet to bed with him that night, read it from cover to cover, got up the next morning and he said, Mum, your brain doesn't work, does it? And I said, no, sweetheart, it doesn't. And he went, how bad is it going to get? Do you know? And I said, no, I've got no idea. And he said, oh, okay. Are you okay? And I went, well, no, not really. And he went, yeah, it's all right, mum. He said, because we'll help you. Yeah. Um, and uh, my my eldest daughter, Amelia, was 11, 10 or 11. And she found me sitting, the, I remember sitting at the bench with the, with the medicine that first time I got it. And I was just sat looking at it and she said, What's wrong with you? And I went, I am going to have to take this for the rest of my life. You know, I said, um, this is the first time I'm going to take it and I am never going to stop needing medicine. And she said, but it'll help you. I was like, yeah, but that's just like a really, really weird thing to get your head around. Um. But she's always been really great. She read the book too. My boys have asked if they will get it. Is it, is it hereditary, mummy? I've said, yeah, it is, but not, not in my case. Oh, why? What have you got? I said, I've got something called idiopathic Parkinson's. What does that mean? Stanley said he was six. I said, it means I'm just lucky, Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> and I make them walk everywhere now. I do heaps more exercise. You know, and Stanley once said, um, why do we have to walk everywhere now? And Alfred went, because mum's got Parkinson's, remember? <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like, Ugh. And And actually, we we talk about it a lot. Um, and we're very open about it. And I don't want them to be frightened by it. And... I am sometimes, but I, I you know, <laughs> but I don't want them to be. What are you afraid um, of? What are you afraid afraid of? I'm I'm frightened of that whole not knowing. That whole, like I don't want to lose my sense of smell. 
um, I don't want to. I don't want to lose my mobility. I'm terrified of losing cognitive ability and just not being independent. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm terrified of not being independent. Um, but I suppose everyone feels that way. But in our case, we know it's a distinct possibility. Yeah. And, and you know, I went to a, a Parkinson's lunch. They had, a, they had a Christmas lunch last year. And I went to that. And Vanessa said to me, oh, I'm not sure you should go because there's a lot of people who are very advanced. And I said, "That's Vanessa, that's exactly why I should go because I need to face this. I need to look it in the eyes and see what it is. And there was this chap, and it, I don't know about you, but if you ever meet anybody else with Parkinson's, especially elderly people, I, I, my whole viewpoint has changed. You know, I was that person that would just ignore him and right. some poor old person who's ill. And I went up to this chap and I sat down and I looked him in the face and I went, oh, hi, you know, I'm Kitty. And um, he was starting to try and speak and, and the woman sat opposite him and went, oh, he's John. And I said, oh, hiya, John, how are you doing? And she said, oh, he's not doing very well because he, well, he's had Parkinson's a very long time. And I looked at her and she said, I'm his carer. And I went, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were husband and wife. Oh, yeah, we are husband and wife, she said. Ugh. And I'm his And I went, oh. And, of course, I'm younger, you know, younger, and I'm wearing a frock, and I'm looking all, you know, dolled up for this Christmas dinner. And she said, oh, so you work for Parkinson's New Zealand? Mm. I went, oh, I've got Parkinson's disease. <laughs> and John lifted up his head and went, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at him and I went, Oh, it's not. It could be worse. The way John, after we both know, there's worse things out there. And we sat and we we had like a moment, and we sat and we chatted for a little bit. That's great. And his poor wife's going, "Oh, well, oh, I didn't mean." And I said, "Look, it's all right. You know, don't 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 worry about it." I kind of know get why she said what she said, but I said to my husband when I came home, I went. I understand why people might call themselves carers on forms and official documents for money and benefits and stuff like that. I went, but we were at a Christmas dinner, you know. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. We, I said, if you ever call somebody my carer in public, I will punch you. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca and I got yeah. some really good advice early on from a guy whose wife had thought they had a, a Parkinson's. She ended up having an MSA. And um, right. and he he goes uh, I I was I wanted to care for her I wanted to be there for her I wanted to be the guy that took care of her and after a yeah. year after a year of being her carer she fired me because she wanted her husband <laughs> she didn't want to care her she wanted a husband we could buy, we could hire someone to be the carer mm. uh, and she he 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 said you what I would suggest you do before you get to that point is figure out if you're comfortable trying to have a dual role or if you don't, what are you going to do to fill the gap? Yeah. I met a lady the other day and she, her ex-husband just got Parkinson's, but they're still really good friends and she helps him. And he's only had it, well, that he's aware of, for two and a half years. But apparently he refused medication at first, so his is quite, well, we call it gnarly, you know, mm-hmm. not very gnarly. nice. Yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> he is now on medications and getting help, which is great. She said he can drive again, and she said he can even dry up when I'm washing up. Um, and she says, well, but we do have to help him and look after him. And, you know, and, yeah. And part of me wanted to say to her, you need to do less stuff for him. You need to maybe help him do some of this stuff for himself and encourage him more to get some help. And I gave her the number of a good counsellor that I know and stuff. But I don't know, it's that whole attitude of people that because you've got Parkinson's, you're completely useless. Mm. Um, I don't know. People are always stunned when they find out I've got it. You, you've, yeah. you, you mentioned your husband. How has this impacted your marriage? Well, from my point of view, I was a stay-at-home mum and I was hoping to go back into full-time work and I'm not sure that's ever going to happen uh, now. Um I'm suffering. New Zealand's a very small market economy, you know, job market, and everybody knows everybody. And my job prospects are pretty munted, to be honest. It was difficult already because I was over 40 with a career break. And and now, because I'm so public about having Parkinson's, I think you're pretty much screwed. Um, He once said to me, Oh, the, the difficulty is that we can't plan anymore. And I said, what do you mean? You mean well, we used to, used to sit outside and have a glass of wine and we'd, we'd chat about what we'll do when the kids have grown and you know, go on a grand tour of Europe and how we'll do all this stuff. He said, we can't do that anymore. And I was like, why not? Because <laughs> I'll still be able to do stuff. Might not be as mobile as I am now, but I might be. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we don't know. And that, we, we, we've talked a lot about that. I think he's scared but doesn't like to admit it. And we both say that we stick our heads in the sand. We have this joke that sand tastes fantastic. Because um, <laughs> we both live in denial, you know. Yeah. I think most people with Parkinson's do. You know, Vanessa has a good tactic. She always says, that thing that Michael J. Fox said about there's no point worrying about it because, you know, if you end up going through it, you've done it twice. <laughs> yeah, right. It's interesting how, like, I know my wife and I, we, we, we'll we talk about it. Well, we're talking about it for the podcast, so it's kind of forcing us to talk about it. But I find out that she's noticing more than I think she is. Like my, oh, yeah, that happened to me the other night. We sit, we sit outside on a weekend and sit under the stars and have a, have, a, have a drink. And and I said to him, be honest, is there anything that you've noticed about me <clears throat> that, um, that I maybe haven't picked up on? And he said, because uh, I, I, I think it's got worse. I can, I can tell it's got worse. And he said, oh, your mouth and your face has changed. You know, I've got, I'm getting that kind of mask yeah. thing left side of my face and a lot of people can't tell even the neurologist went oh yes your face is still very animated and stuff but i was still i'd only taken my meds about an hour before and and i went well it's not always i said i saw a video of me the other day and it, it's not the same and he was like yeah but you're still really animated and i wanted to get hold of him and go you don't understand <laughs> you know I'm changing, and I can't do anything about it. 
what has changed in the last 12 months? Uh, I always take poles when I go tramping because <laughs> I get tired. Um, and my I, I limp more through the day and my face is a bit droopy. I'm quite lucky, really. It could be a hell of a lot worse. What's the hardest part for you? Overall? Yeah. The hardest part is... All right. What are you... The hardest thing for me is the knowledge. So I, I get upset when I say this, because this, this is me being really honest to the bloke I've met on the internet who I've never met before. <laughs> um... um is the knowledge that I may never walk down the street again without the aid of medication. Um, I find that really, really hard. And that's your extra dosage. Coming up in the next episode of When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Larry, Kitty, and I will be back along with a handful of others. When Life Gives You Parkinson's is a curious cast podcast. Our presenting partner is Parkinson's Canada, parkinsons.ca. If you'd like to help spread the word, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free to this podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your streaming audio. You can also listen at curiouscast.ca. You can also engage with us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look up Parkinson's Pod or email us at parkinsonspod at curiouscast.ca. And be sure to check out the show notes for more information about what you heard today and links to all of our guests. When Life Gives You Parkinson's is written and hosted by Larry Gifford and me, Nikki Wright-Meyer. Dila Velezquez is our story producer and sound design is by Rob Johnston. Keep positive, keep exercising, and keep listening. We'll talk to you next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.